Chapter Two of the Love of Landry by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Second the rain was over and the sun come from his sulking tent looked bravely on the world again it was the morning of mildred's departure heathcote had sent flowers and mrs ansley had already come and begun her matronly duties over john osborne's house she was very busy indeed much more busy than circumstances at all demanded but she felt that nervous bustle would any way show the importance of the position she held it's really awful john for me to have to leave my dear home and come here but i knew under just what an affliction you and the dear girls were laboring and so i determined to make the sacrifice john do be careful of mildred you know how her poor dear mother went off she applied her handkerchief tenderly to her eyes and shook with ostensible sobs she had helped worry her sister to death it was very good of you to come here anna said mr osborne and i know how you will miss the comforts of your own home his house was twice as large and a good deal more home-like of course you know john it's been a dear house to me ever since ansley died and you know how attached i am to it and how hard it is for me to leave it when she wasn't at lenox or at newport she was abroad i know all anna i know all and your kindness shall never be forgotten oh well for myself i shall be all fears and anxiety for the dear child but of course on helen's account it wouldn't do to let my feelings get the better of me and so i thought that perhaps this winter not too soon you know but if we have good news of our dear mildred my grief might make the concession of a few receptions and a ball or two that's right that's right and it's such a magnificent house for entertaining that ballroom would accommodate an army have your army anna and draw on me for supplies oh you dear generous john what times we shall have and it's all so necessary for helen while mr berkeley that is while matters are as i said before in statu quo give helen any pleasure she wants to keep her spirits up balls parties dances the theatre glorious i'll do it oh could her poor mother have lived to see this day and oh john do be careful of mildred among those people out there and don't let her put on leggings and a buckskin skirt john osborne started away he could stand it no longer and a short time later he was locked securely in his library to spend the hour before train time after leaving him mrs ansley traversed the whole servants department awing them into respect for her authority then with a muttered now i must go and comfort the girls she started for her niece's room but the rustle of her silken skirts upstairs was a herald that preceded her and just before she reached the top a door banged to she kept her way however right on to helen's room it was deserted then she went to mildred's room and looked at the grim panels shut against her 
poor child she said i know that she hates so to leave me that the sight of my face would be only a grief to her i won't go in and mrs ansley went down into the drawing-room to spend the rest of the time alone the girls were together in mildred's room they had gone there because helen would not have dared to lock her door upon her aunt they were in the close intimate converse of girls about to part and the elder sister was shedding real tears as she chidded the younger for her apparent heartlessness i don't believe you care for me a bit mildred or you surely would show more feeling than you do at leaving me dearie said mildred what's the use of my crying and reddening my eyes when i know it will be such a short time until we're laughing at the whole thing and at all the funny things we've seen but oh suppose you don't come back but i am coming back now nell don't be a silly goose did i ever say i was going to do a thing that i didn't do mildred was bearing up bravely poor little girl though there were dark rings about her eyes and she had to keep swallowing fortunately a new matter of interest took hold of her sister's mind and she asked suddenly arthur heathcote did he propose again instantly mildred's whole attitude changed she became at once defiant and yet with something of sorrow in her manner the defiance was external the sorrow personal yes she said and you i gave him the same answer the only one i can ever give him oh mildred please don't let's talk of it helen he's such a good fellow and such a chance i'm looking for love not chance arthur heathcote demands love and i cannot give it to him such men as mr berkeley make a chance oh forgive me helen you know i didn't mean it she cried as helen had recourse to her rather inadequate handkerchief again i didn't mean what i said i don't know what i'm saying arthur heathcote is so good i came near to surrendering last night but i know i couldn't give him what he wants what he deserves and i wouldn't give him less you can try no said the girl dreamily there is something else for me i've known it ever since men talked to me of love some one some prince maybe she added laughing will come to claim me and i've known just how i shall feel when he takes me by the hand so many women believe this it is true of so few that all comes of reading your silly stories mildred oh no you goose and mildred threw her arms about her sister's neck it all comes of reading my silly heart and suppose prince charming does not appear then i shall marry arthur if he is still unwed but what silly talk this is for us within an hour of parting helen said mildred gravely this is just the kind of talking i want to do and if you touch that handkerchief again i'll strangle you with smelling salts the morning was bringing out its most vivid contrast to the night's dreariness as they rolled away to the station helen was subdued but mildred chattered like a magpie and her aunt kept pace with her remember all my warnings said the latter as they neared their destination yes auntie dear i'm to flirt with the cowboys if they are not a thing of the past and i suppose they are in this degenerate age of the world when everything romantic is past mildred don't lay any such thing at my door i said nothing of the kind and i'm to bring you a little papoose to raise john listen to the girl a papoose why i wouldn't have such a thing never mind aunt anna you're right a papoose would be troublesome i'll bring you a great big indian 
mrs ansley collapsed just as they reached the grand central station she revived as the carriage drew up and they found arthur heathcote there to help them out the others went on up to the train but he held mildred back a pace i couldn't help coming he said you know i didn't intend to but-but you'll forgive me won't you kindness is always easy to forgive and oh thank you for your flowers i'm glad if they gave you pleasure but i shouldn't have come should i do you feel very guilty she asked playfully i am simply bowed with my transgression you know i shall not scold you then since you are sufficiently contrite then i shall always be contrite before you really you are like a methodist who is always possessed of a lowly and a contrite heart but then when a man has no weapon against a woman he uses his shield of contrition i hope at least this time it has turned aside your anger they were approaching the others on the platform then where shall you stop he asked abruptly oh we're going out on a ranch belonging to one of father's friends or a company he knows or something like that it is situated somewhere between denver and the setting sun good-bye he said gently i know this must be a family party and i cannot claim the pleasure of admittance good-bye i must speak to your father he went over and shook osborne's hand and then turned away down the platform looking back every moment with a wistful expression on his face until he had turned the corner and was out of sight and then they went into the luxurious coach helen as tearful as nina the maid and mildred all gaiety mrs ansley's handkerchief was in constant use and john osborne was very grave he was taking his child away from her sister perhaps never to see her again then a polite porter said all off please mrs ansley kissed her niece quickly on the nose and hurried to the door but helen held her sister in one long embrace oh mildred was all she could say and oh helen was the choking reply and then the younger girl brightened up as her sister left the car and waved a frantic farewell to her then the blue-coated official waved his arms and the long train pulled out mildred was alone in the stateroom with her father as they passed from the sight of those on the platform she threw herself on his breast crying oh father father and burst into tears End of chapter two